This is episode 337, Grief as an Expression of Love with Hannah. Welcome to Over It and On With It. I'm your host, Christine Hassler, and for over a decade, I've been a life coach, speaker, and author. Each week, you'll hear me work directly with a caller as I coach them through a goal they want to accomplish or an obstacle they may be facing. I'll provide a blend of practical and spiritual advice as well as tangible actions you can apply to your own life. Now, let's get on with the episode. Welcome to the show, everyone. Thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. I hope you're having a beautiful week and enjoying. You know, I really feel like 2022 just kind of gets started in February. So now it feels like we're really in it. If you didn't do my New Year's ritual and processes to call in 2022 and let go of 2021, those are always available to you. You can go back. They were Coach's Corners episodes. And February is always a good time to do it because we're kind of settled into the new year. Sometimes there's a little more clarity. And as we head into spring, at least on this side of the world, it's a beautiful time to do any letting go ceremonies. You know, we're still kind of in winter and anything you want to let go of, anything you don't want to take with you into the spring, into this new season, good time to let things go. Today's episode is about letting go and letting go. It's one of those things that sounds so good, right? (laughs) Like, let's just let go. But when it comes to actually doing it, it can be really difficult, especially when it comes to letting go of a dream, letting go of a person, letting go of a relationship, letting go of a chapter in our life. Steph and I shared a very vulnerable video on Instagram. If you don't follow me on Instagram, it's just Christine Hassler. Beware of a weird hacker account right now. It's like Christine Hassler underscore. Um, and I'm this person posing as me and sending weird messages to people. So that is not me. But the real Christine Hassler is just my name. And you'll be able to tell it's me. And anyway, we posted a video sharing just our grief around the transition into parenthood. And the guilt that we, especially I, had around the grief and how I was trying to suppress it because I felt guilty for having any sadness come up because I just feel so blessed to be having this little girl come into our life. And I didn't want her to feel unwanted. I didn't want to send a message to the universe that I didn't want it. But there was real grief there around not so much my life and my life changing because I really am am ready for this next chapter. It was more about our relationship. And, you know, Steph and I have been together four years now and we really like each other and we really love our life and the freedom we have as a couple and the unit we are. And so we are grieving moving from two to three. And I know that we have no idea what we're in for in terms of the love that we're going to feel when she's out of my body and in our arms. And we're just being really real. (laughs) She's kicked then. (laughs) And we're just being really real about, you know, the feelings. Because one thing I've learned, and I share it in this episode, when I was going through a loss, I read a great book that I'll talk about in the episode and in the breakdown after. And what it really presents for me is grief is an expression of love. And the grief that Steph and I are feeling is an expression of how much we really love each other and how much we've loved this chapter. And grief sometimes gets a bad rap or it's something we feel like we should move through quickly or go through certain steps or avoid or that we're going to get stuck in it. And to me, grief is more than sadness. It's really about honoring the love 
and reminiscing and allowing ourselves to feel how much we loved. Steph and I did a little ceremony. We talk about this in the video, so you can go watch it. We did a ceremony just really honoring us and grieving us. And, and yes, we'll still be us. It's just going to be a different form. So the biggest takeaway from today's episode that I would love you to consider is are there any areas in your life where you've just kind of moved through and you've gone through some kind of loss or some kind of transition and you really didn't allow yourself to grieve because that's where Hannah is right now. She lost her mom about a year ago, a little over a year ago, and is in this place of having a lot of panic, a lot of anxiety come up. And what we get to in the episode is she never really allowed herself to grieve. So as you're listening, consider, did you have a loss of some kind? Maybe it was a loss to death or you lost a job or you're going through a big transition. And did you fully allow yourself to process it? Did you allow yourself to grieve? Next, you even know what grief is. Do you know what healthy grieving even looks like? And do you find yourself dealing with a lot of panic, a lot of anxiety, waiting for the other shoe to drop, and you're wondering how to shift it? And finally, if you did have a loss of some kind, do you have some anger at God, at the universe, and you're having a hard time reconnecting to your own spirituality? So keep those questions in mind as you listen to my coaching call with Hannah. Hannah, welcome to the show. What's your question? Hi. So I mainly wanted to talk about, I have a great fear. So my mother passed away Mm. in November of 2020 due to COVID. That whole situation was very traumatic for me. Mm. So much so I have developed PTSD. And now I am looking over my shoulder trying to you know, brace myself for the next death that's going to happen. I Mm. send myself into a panic attack, like laying next to my husband at nighttime, just thinking of like, oh no, what happens when he dies? Mm. And it, my husband is in the military and he's deploying in October. Mm. So that is a massive trigger for me. And I, I want to heal myself and be able to prepare myself for that moment. Mm, for the moment he deploys? Yeah. And how? what would preparing yourself for that look like and what would healing yourself look like? It's very difficult. I know healing myself as in accepting what did happen to my mother. And I never truly accepted it. I still am in those stages of like, this doesn't feel real or Mm -hmm. on autopilot where I'm like not feeling it Mm -hmm. and not embracing that. And so I feel healing would be accepting it and trying to not move on per se, but move on in a way. Yeah. What was your grieving process like? It was not what I wanted it to be. It's I look at myself as the only one in the family, in my immediate family that took control over the situation. I had to plan the funeral. I was the only one that planned the funeral. I was the one handling every the aftermath of everything. I was the one that had to call the family and let them know what had happened. So mm-hmm. I felt like I never got the chance to fully 
let myself go and have that moment because I felt like I was controlling, trying to control everything because nobody else was doing it. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Hannah. That's Thank a lot to, to go through a loss of mom. And I imagine she wasn't sick before. So this was somewhat of a shock. Yes. Yeah. Very shock. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry for your loss and I'm sorry Thank that you. you had to go into action mode. Yeah. And what it keeps coming up for me is that you really just haven't had space to grieve. And I don't think we can get to acceptance unless yeah. we really, really allow ourselves to grieve. Absolutely. So there's a great book I read after loss I experienced called The Smell of Rain on Dust, Grief and Praise. And it was beautiful because what it had me realize is that grief is an expression of love. And if we don't go through the grief process and whatever that looks like for us, I mean, we've all heard the stages of grief and those are helpful, but it can be kind of linear and we can get stuck in that. So I think grief is such an individual process. Yeah. And for you, the panicky feeling, the hypervigilance feeling, like waiting for the other shoe to drop feeling feels to me like it's, it's just a lot of stuck grief. And you haven't let yeah. yourself fully experience the grief because it it can be heart-wrenching to go really into our grief because we also feel how much we love that person. Absolutely. And so panic always serves a purpose. Anything always serves a purpose. And you might think logically, well, I don't want to feel panic attacks or PTSD. I'd much rather just feel my grief. But there may be a part of you that's so scared to go deep into the grief because you're going to feel how much you love her as well. that the panic is almost the distraction from that. It's almost the guard at the gate to your grief. Does that make sense? Absolutely, it does. So what's coming up for you as I say that? This is going to sound crazy, and I know like that's a forbidden word, but but I just, as soon as it happened, there's something in me that snapped and that just broke. And Mm. I feel like I was really scared to get that deep because I didn't know how far it would go. And that scared the crap out of me. Yeah. And if we just explore that, do you feel safe talking to me about it right now? If we just explore a little bit? Okay. So let your mind just wander, like go to wherever it needs to go. If you went as far as it needed to go, whatever that looks like, what are you afraid will happen? I'm scared that it would get to the point I have struggled with depression my entire life. Mm-hmm. And it would it got to a point of so like harming myself mm-hmm. and to a point of almost suicide. Mm. That is a very scary thing. Yeah. <laughs> I can see why you're protecting yourself. And we're, you're still here and we're, we're still talking. So how'd you turn that corner? Oh, it's, I definitely had to crawl myself out and it took a long time. It really did. And, you know, I'm going to therapy now and I'm on a, a medication and it does help tremendously. So I feel like I had a good place to heal myself from my depression, mm-hmm. but it was such a dark place for me that like now I'm scared to go back there. 
Well, but consider this. Oftentimes when we hit rock bottom and we hit that dark place and we crawl ourselves out, that was it. We don't ever have to go back there. And if you can see this grieving process more of a honoring of love and honoring your mom and honoring the relationship and honoring your feelings, then it needing to be a dark place, you might start to shift how you hold it inside. Yeah, I, I completely understand everything you're saying and I wouldn't want to go back there either. But what I have found in my own life with depression and with supporting so many other people and watching so many other people's journey at this point is that if we crawl out of rock bottom, we really don't go back there. Yeah. Because of everything we learned on the crawl out. And you have a embodied reference point in your nervous system, in your subconscious, in the cells of your body of you getting out of it, of you getting beyond it. Absolutely. And I don't feel like you're really giving yourself enough validation for that and belief in yourself that you can feel and it doesn't have to lead to dark, depressive, nearly suicidal thoughts. Like yeah. that you can trust yourself to feel. Absolutely. So if you go back to, and I don't want to like take you back down a road, um, oh, but I just okay. want to ask a question. <laughs> With the depression, what do you think was causing your depression? I had a lot of, um, a lot of family trauma, um, And a lot of it had to do with my parents. My sister struggled with mental disorders herself, uh, Mm -hmm. with bipolar disorder and narcissistic personality disorder. So it was a really hard time for me to grow up. And I was kind of always like put on the back burner where I was kind of like the kid in the back. And because my sister definitely took the spotlight in a lot of things. Mm -hmm. So I just, I felt very sad and a lot of people didn't see it. And Mm -hmm. I felt like that definitely spiraled into Mm -hmm. something a little bit deeper. Okay. So here we have another situation where you're feeling really sad and other people aren't seeing it, but you're not seeing it either. Yeah. So from my point of view, And again, it's just my point of view. I'm not the authority on life. But from my point of view, you're more likely to spiral into depression if you don't see this, if you don't feel this, than if you do. Absolutely. And you don't have to do it alone. You have a husband. There's resources out there. This would be a great time to hire someone that can really support you through the process. You know, as a kid and as a young adult, when you were going through all this, you didn't really have the resources you have today. Yeah, that's very true. And so to me, this could be a very deep healing process because you're like, you know what? I'm doing it differently. I see my grief. I see my sadness. I acknowledge it. And I'm not going to turn the other way like people did in my childhood. Absolutely. See, this is why I love you. I love it. (laughs) I love just listening to you because, I mean, you really do help so much. And, you know, 
just those few couple, a couple things that you said, I mean, it just makes it such a light bulb and it's just like, wow, you know, I never really thought of it that way. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. What is the light bulb that's going off for you? When you said that first that, you know, validate yourself that you crawled out of that place and not to mention you're not there anymore. And I had to remind myself that, you know, and when I do have triggers where it takes me back, I have to physically bring myself back and, you know, do the technique with the hand on the chest and the Mm -hmm. stomach. And that was then, this is now you are safe. And, you know, just everything you're saying, it just makes so much sense with the light bulb. And I didn't have the resources. And back then it was the early 2000s where, you know, we didn't have social media like we do now or, Mm -hmm. you know, have that group like now. So Mm -hmm. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And about your husband deploying, that's, I think even for someone who didn't suffer a loss beforehand, that would be a very common feeling and a very normal feeling. You know, I have those fears about my husband and he's not in the military, but with that deploying and him being in a higher risk factor and being away from you and all of that, that's even if, if, you know, when nothing happens to him, you're still apart from him. So you have to just grieve the separation, right? So there's, there's, there's grief there no matter what, because it is a difficult situation to be apart from the person that you love. And I feel that you'll be uh, better prepared. I don't really like those two words, but I can't think of anything better <laughs> right. for his deployment if you allow yourself this grief because you also have him here now to to hold you, yeah, you know, and to to witness you. And you can even tell him, like, I'm going to allow myself to start to feel this. I think getting that book would help. And all I need from you is just to give me lots of hugs. And there may be times when I come to you and I just need to talk and I don't need you to fix it or solve it or offer me advice. I just really need you to hear me because I'm learning that that's one of the things I didn't get in childhood. Yeah. So you can make this a beautiful process where you feel even more connected to him on a heart to heart level. And if you share this vulnerability with him, obviously it's your process, but if you share this vulnerability with him, and go to these depths, you and him will have a more heart-to-heart connection. And when you're separated physically, you'll be able to just tune into your heart and feel him. Because any suppression of emotion suppresses all emotion. So trying to keep this grief down keeps love away. And you don't want to like subconsciously, energetically start to separate from your husband a little bit because you're afraid you're going to lose him. Yeah, absolutely. And my husband, he is, <laughs> he is such a daredevil too. Mm. He's like the guy that jumping out of airplanes, motorcycles, like. Oh Lord, I'm getting anxiety I <laughs> just thinking about it. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and so he just got into a new job where it's yeah, a little bit more dangerous job. And so I know that like when he does go, cause this is his passion, he mm-hmm. loves it. And so I, I always remind myself, like, even if he did pass away, that was what he loved to do. And he died doing what he loved. And who, what else could we want other than that? And mm-hmm. so 
you know, I think anyone that is a military spouse, they, their mind always goes there. And I know that, you know, it's a forbidden fruit where we don't talk about it, but we all secretly yeah. kind of feel that way. Yeah. And so I feel on top of already that problem. And then with my mom, it's just like, crap, <laughs> double yeah. whammy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, he's still here, right? Yeah, he's still here. Absolutely. And again, the more you allow these feelings, the more depth of feeling becomes available for him. And this is where I, I really lean into my spirituality and my relationship with a higher power and also just my personal view and experience so far with destiny of like, it, you know, if it's someone's time to go, it, they either do it because they're in the military or they were like working as a businessman, you know, in an office and crossed the street and got hit by a bus, you know, like it's just yeah, very different. There, There is a time for everyone and we just don't have control yeah. as much as we'd like to think that. And so I also, you know, for me with depression, leaning into spiritual beliefs and spirituality and that faith, that was something that really helped me, you know, get off medication and, and, and find a higher vibration. And so that might be something, you know, whatever that looks like for you, Hannah, that might be something to lean into as well, because there's just such a degree of, um, trust and solace that can come from feeling like we're held by something greater and yeah. when we're held by something greater, we can release some of our gripping. For sure. And yeah. that's actually something else I wanted to talk to you about. Before my mother had passed away, me and my mom were very spiritual. We went to church together all the time um, or non-denominational. And we just really clicked. And we did pretty much anything, any event that happened. We were really involved. So when she did pass, I felt, you know, with the grieving mm -hmm. comes anger. And a mm -hmm. lot of that anger had to do with God. Mm -hmm. I, I was very mad. And sure. I was just like, you know, why? And I, logically, I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, you know, it was her time. And, you know, she went to a better place. But I'm just like, why? Why did you take her from yeah. me? Yeah. And that's legitimate. That's so yeah. legitimate. And that, that will be part of your process is some anger work to God absolutely, and some letters to God. And, and that's, you know, in all my grief processes, I've had to have it out with God. And the good <laughs> thing about God is like, there's no judgment. There's, you know, yeah. it's, God is not all a person love. that reacts to things like people do. <laughs> and so let that be part of your release. And, and, yeah. you know, there's just some things that will never, no one could ever say anything to you, Hannah, that's going to make you go, oh yeah, it's totally fine. My mom died before I wanted her to like yeah. it, it's, it, it hurts and it will hurt less and less and less over the years. And so much of the hurt and the grief will be replaced by just love and memories and like, let all of this, let yourself feel all of it in a way that moves it through. Because again, I feel like the panic 
the PTSD, all that is just a result of you suppressing a lot. And I, I also get it was a traumatic event. I'm not discounting right, that. No. Um, right. But there's just a lot of suppression. And when we suppress big energy, we're going to feel panicky. For sure. Yeah. Absolutely. So there's like a coming home back to your faith and whatever that looks like for you as well. And you might have yeah. to have it out with God a little while before you're ready to to let that back in, which is fine. Now, what would be a good exercise or something to utilize when, because a few days ago was her birthday. And um, so it's awesome that we're doing this call now. But what would be in that moment when I'm starting to feel myself slip? I want to let myself slip. And I want to be able to let go because I feel like I hold on so tight. Mm-hmm. And that's actually causing more of a problem for mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. What technique would you recommend? So not necessarily a technique, but more about regulating your nervous system. Because when we get triggered and we try to suppress and a traumatic event is like brought forward into our consciousness, our nervous system can go into fight, flight, or freeze. And we get our wiring, our biology gets all kind of wonky. So anything you can do to bring yourself into the present moment, slow breaths, not necessarily deep breaths, slow breaths, um, squeezing your wrists, squeezing parts of your body to bring you in the present moment, noticing five things in the room and saying them out loud, looking someone in the eye and just getting yourself back in the present, getting yourself back in the body and just tuning in and going, it's safe for me to feel. It's safe for me to feel and just see what emerges. But it's really about regulating the nervous system so you can get out of the part of the brain that wants to run or freeze. Absolutely. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. So it's coming back into the present. You know, it's safe for me to feel, especially growing up in a home where you didn't really feel like, you know, your feelings were really validated and seen. When a big feeling comes up, there's going to be a part of you that doesn't feel safe. So it's going to want to repress, suppress, and panic Absolutely. is one of the ways you do that. So just regulating nervous system, coming back into the present, back into the body. It's safe for me to feel and then just see what what comes up. Okay. I could absolutely do that. You absolutely can. You're doing way better than you're giving yourself credit for. <laughs> Thank you. I really love hearing that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you are. I mean, you suffered a big loss and you loved your mom a lot and still do. And so honor her, honor you, really honor the love by giving yourself the space to grieve. You know, it's, I think it's one of the most underrated things we as humans experience because it's not as wonderful as falling in love and celebrating (laughs) this. And, but it is one of the human experiences and emotions that we're all going to feel at some point or another. And we need to honor it because it is an expression of love. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Hannah, for sharing from your heart and really just being brave enough to come on and talk about a big loss. It's a big deal to lose anyone that we love. And when we lose a parent, especially before, you know, we thought we would, I think some of us know that Once parents start to hit the 80s, 90s, and their health starts deteriorating, it can sometimes be a little bit, still hard, but a little bit easier transition because you see them suffering, you see their bodies start to deteriorate, and 
know, you want them to be in a better place. But when we lose someone suddenly like that, it, it can be very, very shocking. And that's where Hannah was. She went into shock and she really didn't get to have her grieving process because she had to step up and handle the funeral and, and everything like that. And so all those big emotions, because it's a lot of big emotions, both the, the loss of her mom and the shocking way that it happened, the fast way that it happened, that's traumatic. And instead of being able to deal with that trauma and go through the grieving process, she had to spring into action. So of course she's feeling some panic. Of course she's feeling some anxiety because what is she supposed to do with all that energy? You know, it's all that emotion, all that energy is physiological and it needs an outlet. And often it, it manifests itself in panic and anxiety and, and panic does serve a purpose. Anxiety does serve a purpose. And in this case, my sense is it's alerting her to, Hey, we've got some grieving to do. And this ties into her childhood because she said, you know, growing up, she was put on the back burner because of her sister's needs and potentially other reasons. And she said, I felt very sad and a lot of people didn't see it. So here we are, right? In a place where she's feeling sad and she's not seeing it. So little Hannah needs big Hannah to see her sadness, see her grief and really honor it. Give herself the freedom of that expression. And, you know, that sadness that she went into, even that deep, dark depression, probably was a cry out for help too. Just like panic serves a purpose, sadness serves a purpose. So there may have been a part of her that's like, maybe if I'm so sad, maybe if I get so dark, and maybe if I even think of killing myself, maybe people will pay attention to me. So oftentimes those extreme emotions that we feel are cry out for help. And the person that needs to answer that cry out is us, is us really learning how to parent ourselves. I know you hear me say this over and over and over again, but I say it over and over and over again because it's true. Now, that doesn't mean Hannah can't reach out to a counselor. It doesn't mean that she can't lean on her husband. Of course, support is necessary. We are relational beings. You know, another thing I say is we need each other. We're not supposed to do it all on our own. But the primary person that has to make sure we're getting our needs met, including the need to reach out to other people and say, hey, I need this, is us. So for Hannah, it's allowing herself to go into the emotions. And of course she's scared because she has a memory of getting really dark, going into a deep depression and thinking of killing herself. And that's scary. I get that. I get that. And what I reminded her of is she didn't. She crawled out. And I truly believe once we hit rock bottom, it's rock bottom for a reason. It's not like rock bottom almost or <laughs> rock bottom. And then there's more bottom rock bottom is rock bottom. And if we stay awake and we stay in our personal development, whatever that looks like for us, we stay connected to our spirituality. We reach out for help. We don't have to hit rock bottom again. You know, I remember, I really feel like my biggest rock bottom was in my twenties when my fiance broke up with me and I left my job and I was at odds with my family and my health was bad. I was still on antidepressants and I was really just a mess. It was the only time in my life I considered not being here. And that was the deepest, darkest I've ever gotten. And I've actually been through harder things since then. However, since I got so low and since I learned so much on the crawl out, I never, even though things have been harder, I've never gotten that dark again because I've gathered more tools. I learned so much about myself on the crawl out. So I want each and every one of you to acknowledge that you've probably hit some dark, scary places in your life. And you may be suppressing feeling because you don't want to go back there. 
but remind yourself that you got out. You got out. You're not there anymore. And if you feel like you're in rock bottom now, if you're actually listening to my words, you're already crawling out. Because if you weren't already crawling out, you wouldn't be listening to the show. So know that you don't have to go back there again, that it's safe to feel. And that's the other thing that Hannah and I talked about is safety to feel. We're not going to feel safe to feel if we're in a trauma response and we're not in the present moment. So when we're in any kind of trauma response, the nervous system goes into survival mode and anything that's not necessary to help us survive, it's not going to do. It's sort of like if you're being, you know, chased by a tiger, your digestion is going to slow down because the body's like, we don't need to digest right now. We need to pump blood to the heart and oxygen. We need to run. We need to make our legs work. So it focuses on what needs to focus. And so if we're in anxiety, if we're in panic, if we're time traveling, if we're triggered, it's, it's hard to feel safe to feel because the body's like, uh-uh, like we don't need to process grief or feel sadness. We need to just stay safe. So my tip for allowing feelings to become present is to get present do what I coach Hannah to do. Hand on heart, hand on belly, slow breaths, presence yourself in the moment, eyes open, noticing things around the room, just getting yourself really present. It's safe to feel. It's safe to feel because any suppression of emotion suppresses all emotion. And that's one thing I warned Hannah about. Like you might try to protect yourself from getting hurt again, or part of your bracing waiting for the shoe to drop may be to distance yourself from your husband very subconsciously. So open up, let yourself feel everything, let yourself feel the depth of your love and also let yourself feel anger at God. God can take it. (laughs) God isn't human. He, she, it, they, omnipresent, whatever. I don't know what pronoun to use to describe the all-knowing, all-loving universe, but that, I'll use that, isn't human, doesn't have emotions, isn't going to have hurt feelings, isn't going to go, oh, well, you were angry at me, so I'm no longer going to bring you good things. It's it's so like that. The, the universe, the highest source, spirituality, there's no judgment doesn't exist. So allowing our emotions out about how we feel angry, about how we feel let down. You know, like I've said, I've written a lot of fuck you letters to God when I've been really pissed off about the way life is going. And it's it's helped me have a better relationship because that anger can suppress the connection. So that's a normal thing too. And it's okay to get that out. And I want to leave you with a quote from the book that I mentioned that was very helpful to me. It's called The Smell of Rain on Dust. And it's a beautiful book in terms of really seeing how grief is an expression of love. So a quote that really stuck out to me from the book is, grief expressed out loud for someone we have lost or country or home we have lost is in itself the greatest praise we could ever give them. Grief is praise because it is the natural way love honors what it misses. Sending you so much love and many blessings, everyone. Until next time. Thank you for listening to Over It Non With It. I love hearing from you, so please post your comments or questions at christinehasler.com slash podcast. That's also the place you can sign up to receive coaching from me in an upcoming episode. And if you love this show, please share it and subscribe on iTunes. You can find all my social media handles and sign up to be part of my community at christinehasler.com. Until next week, here's to getting over it and on with it. Much love and many blessings.